This episode has mentions of sexual abuse and may be triggering for some. Please proceed with caution. Alright guys, welcome back to day 18 of Uncaping, Unmasking, and Unhiding. You are rocking with Cheryl and Natty on the Shades of Strong podcast where we are doing our part to dismantle the myths and the stereotypes of the strong Black woman by creating safe and sacred spaces for Black women to uncape, unmask, and unhide. So we are on day 18. And we talked about, we we're talking about Annalise Keating, continuing our conversation on Annalise Keating. Thus far, we have talked about her cape and her mask. We have talked about her kryptonite and we have talked about her trauma response. So in today's episode, we are going to be talking about how her manipulative behavior started. And Nazi is going to be taking the lead on that. Go ahead, Nazi. Oh my gosh, I'm taking the lead. You're taking, taking the lead, the lead. Yeah. Go ahead, Natty. The floor is yours. Oh my gosh, I feel like a lead actress or something. I'm like, yes, I've just emerged. <laughs> I have just emerged from my trailer. Yes, I am you ready, have, darling. Yes, yes. Go. Your so, spotlight yeah. is, so this now is on you. Oh gosh, the spotlight. Oh lord, yeah. my skin is baking <laughs> under these studio lights. Oh my gosh, it's so hot. And I'm saying all this because. I have experience in performing in theater. So yeah, those studio yes, lights can get does. really, really yes. hot. Nat, you um, should totally sing for us someday. As someday I will. I totally, totally will. But once you get all your stage makeup on and you've got those that wig, that heavy ass wig on, and you're up under those lights, woo, the sweat. But anyway, yeah. So this is about how you get started with your cape and mask. And Annalise's cape and mask was the uber performer and the, the manipulator. So I noticed that in a lot of our episodes, I tend to talk a lot about safety and security in some form or another. So that's basically where this is going. This is about safety and security. When you do not feel safe in your environment due to circumstances that are beyond your control or due to your person being harmed in some way or another, you tend to walk away with the lesson that you've got to do whatever you can to take care of you. And a lot of times that can look like doing whatever you need to do to control your environment and your situations, which we've already talked about that in a previous episode. But that's where it starts. When you get to where you're doing a lot of things to manipulate other people, aside from just being someone who's exhibiting very narcissistic behaviors, but I think someone who's a narcissist probably starts out this way too. At some point, you don't feel safe as a young as, as a youngster. You don't feel safe. You've either been abused or you've had some other trauma, like situational trauma where you're losing your safe space, like we've talked about with Annalise, like her, her home being burned down, something like that. Just something happens to where your lesson is, it's not safe here. I've got to do whatever I can to, to remain safe. And I've got to create my own safety. And so that's where that starts. With the performative thing, and I can speak to, to this with on some authority because I have a lot of experience with this, it's, it's a lack of security. And I don't just, I don't mean materials. I'm not talking specifically about material security, even though I, I'm sure that can also necessarily be a factor. 
I'm talking about your security as a person, like feeling valued, feeling affirmed, feeling seen, feeling heard, and learning that the only way that you're going to be seen or heard is if you do certain things. In other words, if you perform. So if you grew up in a household where you at any point felt like one wrong move and you'd get in trouble, and I say wrong in air quotes because it's not even, I mean, you're just a kid being a kid, you know, I'm not talking about blowing up the kitchen or something like that. I mean, like, oh, I'm talking too loud or, oh, my parents are on the phone and I come in and I interrupt them or something like that. Those aren't wrong moves, but it's something that can trigger a not great response from the people that are your caretakers. So that's what I mean when I say uh, one wrong move and you could be in trouble. So you start, you get more, you get more savvy about it. You get more cunning maybe, and you learn like, Hey, I'm going to operate this way, or I'm going to operate that way. And that way I won't get in any trouble. I'm going to make sure that I do the things that I need to do at school to make sure that my teacher likes me or as much as I can anyway, to maybe to get to my, my teacher to maybe like me, or I'm going to make sure I make the good grades so that everyone's proud and no one's disappointed. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to make sure these people over here want to be my friend. All of that is performing. All of it. All of it's performing because you never are actually just being you, being yourself. You don't think being yourself is either enough or right. Mm -hmm. So you are being, pretending to basically be someone else to please everyone else. That is how it starts. And that's a lack of security. So bottom, you know, the main idea of this is if you have a, a habit or history of manipulative behavior that came from a lack, that possibly came from a lack of safety in your environment. If you have a habit or a history of performing Take it from the performer who literally did this for a living. That comes from a lack of security. It comes from, oh, it's, it's in, you know, you, you feel insecure. And I wanted to say lack of security as opposed to saying insecurity because insecurity to me is a very loaded term. And that can also be construed as something that's wrong with you. Oh, they're so insecure. They're so insecure. And we use it as a pejorative against people or as an insult towards people without any um without any investigation of whatever circumstances have gone on in their lives to make them be the way they are to to feel that insecure and and insecurity is definitely very dangerous it's extremely dangerous i think racism comes from insecurity like man oh man how jealous do you have to be of someone else that's exactly where it comes from make up exactly so we always talk about that, but we don't talk about, you know, it, to me, the insecurity is, is, it's the after in the way it presents, but it's not actually the after, it's not the, uh, or it's the before, it's the before in how it presents, but it's not actually the before. The before is what happened to foster that kind of sense of insecurity in someone. What happened to make question your your enoughness i think that's what it right means. to question your own validity as as a human being and your own right to exist so that's why i didn't say insecurity because that's very loaded but a lack of security that takes i feel like that takes the onus off of the person and it makes us think about outside factors which is what we want to think about here
Do you think that just based on what you were saying, like it comes from a lack of security and a lack of safety, do you think when people people are engaging in man, manipulative behavior, y'all see how to say it really, really slow, behavior, <laughs> do you think they recognize that they are doing that? I don't think so. I, I think this either. is where where the whole, hey, let's do the work comes in. And even just to get to the point where someone was like, okay, I'm going to do the work. They have to recognize that work needs to be done. And this, this whole thing with, because like I said, I think, I think narcissism is also like, you know, that, that's a lot of manipulative behavior too. And from what little bit that I've read and seen, I've seen, you know, different psychologists say stuff like, it's not impossible, but it's very, very difficult for a narcissist to to correct, to course correct, because they don't think there's anything wrong. So, and again, maybe I won't say wrong because that's a loaded term, but any, they don't think anything's off. They don't think anything needs to be examined. They don't think there's anything that, that could maybe be a little bit better. So yeah, I think when people are engaging in that kind of behavior, they, I don't think they see it. And I think it takes being in environments with people that genuinely care for them, but also are not enabling them for them to see it because it's going to take other people gently saying to them, Hey, no, this isn't right. And, and the way they do that is, is by having boundaries with people who exhibit manipulative behavior. And as we've talked several times, establishing boundaries for oneself is also difficult. <laughs> so if you've got a person who's having a hard time just establishing boundaries, I'm someone who can who has a hard time with that sometimes. And then they're with a person who exhibit exhibits see yours is manipulation, mine is exhibit. I can't say that word. <laughs> and they're with a person who exhibits manipulative behaviors, then yeah, that's like that's like walking a minefield because gee Am I going to succeed today in establishing boundaries with this person? Because I need to, because they need to know that this isn't right. But yeah, getting back to, to the main thing I was saying, I think it takes being in an environment with people who genuinely care about them, people who do have strong boundaries or are learning to establish strong boundaries for themselves and modeling that for them, because those people will come out and tell them, no, this isn't acceptable behavior. This is harmful. And I think after they hear it enough times, they might go into victim mode first. Well, everyone's attacking me. Nobody likes me. I'm just a horrible person, huh? Everybody, you know. But eventually, I think, you know, they, if they can get on the other side of that, then maybe then, yes, they can change. But no, I don't think they, they realize, you know, just from day to day that they're doing anything that's that's. I horrible. agree because I guess my whole thing is even when you are engaging in such behavior, how can you say that I love a person? And then do these harmful things to mm -hmm. them, you know. So how? Mm -hmm. So I feel like I feel like they maybe don't even recognize it because it's it's become the norm for them. It's what they've been doing all of yeah. their lives. And so when they're engaging in it, I can tell you how I've witnessed it in my personal life is when someone is trying to make me feel bad for saying no. Mm -hmm. They'll run this whole guilt trip on you, and I, I and and again, I don't even think they recognize that they're doing it. Oh, this is a good one. You and I talked about this probably in season two, when people withhold something from you, like communication and affection. That's a mm -hmm. sign of manipulation. And I think even in relationships, people people don't realize that it's a sign of manipulation 
And they also don't realize that that manipulation will easily turn into abuse. And it may not be physical abuse, but it eventually turns into emotional and verbal abuse because I'm not going to talk to you because you didn't do what I wanted you to do or you didn't cook the meal that I wanted you to want you to cook or I'm not going to have sex with you because you didn't do whatever. Mm-hmm. Things like that. That's that's manipulation. And again, I don't think that we recognize that that's what it is. But all of that is manipulation and blaming and blaming yeah. people for, for stuff that, you know, you initiated. If you do something to me and and I retaliate, you did that to me. And so for you to make me feel like it's my fault that I am responding or reacting a certain way. That's manipulation. That's how that's how I've experienced yeah. it in, in my life. That's what it's looked like for me. Not me yes. doing it to people, yes. people doing it to me. That's how I've experienced it. Right. Right. No, I totally agree. And I think I think we've all, maybe not all of us, but I think a lot of us, a very large number of us, have been guilty of some form of, of this behavior at some point. I know I, I know that I have. And that's why I know that in order to acknowledge it and see it for what it really is and start doing work to not behave in that way anymore, it takes people being around you that really care about you to call you out on it. And not even, it's not like, oh, I'm calling you out. I'm, I'm, I'm calling you, I'll bring you know, everything but a child of God. A word, yeah. yeah. They're bringing it to your attention. Your children will do this. They can. I'm not saying they they will or won't, but they can. I know mm-hmm. that my, you know, I have a child that has 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 done this for me before, mm-hmm. um, and didn't even. So it wasn't. It. They're so good at it because they they live with you and they see what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like they they see it. Kids aren't stupid, and they're extremely intuitive. They have the the urge to rely on their intuition beaten out of them by the world. But they don't start off like that. That's why we say sometimes some of us will say things like, oh, I know I knew that person was bad because my kid never liked being around that person. Like, I I mean, I clocked that from the very beginning with my oldest kid. When he was an infant, there were certain people when they came around, he would start crying uncontrollably uncontrollably and he was a very jovial happy baby i was like something's wrong with that person <laughs> and you know my ex-husband his, his father was just like no no, no. i'm like no something but is then wrong eventually you because find he don't out. like being yeah. around it mm-hmm. yes you, a lot of times you will find out kids they have that intuition so they see how you're how, what you're how you're moving in the world and they might not have language for it or know the terms for it And they may not even know that it's so, you know, quote unquote, right or wrong or anything like that. They just know that something's off and maybe it feels not good to them. Even if you're not doing something to them, they just see how you're behaving. And I've had my child literally say, yeah, I've noticed you do such and such and such and such for certain things. And I've just made a mental note not to be that way when I'm an adult. And I'm like, oh, right. Doesn't that, <laughs> it, it, I don't know, it does something to you. Like, it's like, it pierces it you. you. <laughs> it jokes you. It's That's like, like it somebody just walked like, in and turned right. the lights on. It's like, oh, oh dear. I'm sitting in mess. Oh, yikes. So yeah, I didn't take it as, as an insult or an aff- a personal affront. It was like, yikes. You're right. I have a 
I, I do that. And that's a really bad habit. That's what I mean by like, if you're in an environment with people that can call you on it and they call you on it very gently. They're not saying, oh, you're a jerk because this and that and the other. They're doing stuff like my kids said. I noticed this and I just know, yeah, I want to do differently as an adult. To me, that's a very gentle call out, a very gentle call out. Now, if you've got an overinflated sense of self or your ego is, is not where it needs to be, then yeah, you might take offense to that, but I didn't. I was just like, yikes. Yeah, let me do, let me do better. <laughs> I am so grateful that my children trust me enough to, and I say trust me enough because they know I'm not going to just be like, girl, you better get out of my face with that. I'm right. the parent. Like they know I'm not that person, but they trust me enough to be honest with me and say, mom, you shouldn't have said that or mom, you shouldn't have done that or you know, I'll I'll even go to them and say, hey, what do you think if I, because Nala's the youngest one, <laughs> and I'll go to the uh-huh. older one and say, what do you think if, if I do this to Nyla or say this to Nyla to try and get her to do this? You know, because that's being, uh-huh. you're trying to manipulate her into doing something that you want her to do. And my children will 100% say no. That is not no. the way you need, that is not the way you need to handle that. But as a parent, we want to try and keep them safe. And so, you know, sometimes we'll find find ourselves engaging in this type of behavior in an attempt to keep them safe and and protected. But why not just be honest? And that's something that I'm mm-hmm. learning, mm-hmm. you know, as I get older and, and like I say, as I continue to do my work, I'm learning those things. Like you don't have to manipulate people to get them to do what you need them to do. Just be honest about how you feel about whatever. Like maybe Nyla's going, I hope she don't be listening because she probably like, why you be saying my name all the time? But anyway, maybe, and I use her for an example because she's the (laughs) youngest. It's a beautiful name. (laughs) Yes. And I feel like I still have like some type of control over her since she's still the youngest. I really don't mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. but uh, I use her as an example because I still have like a bit of um, a leash on her. You know, she, she be trying to get away, but I still be trying to hold her on, hold on to her. And so I am learning to just be honest with her about my fears, because a lot of times I project my fears onto her. And so I, I'll yeah, find myself yeah, we engaging do that in this manipulative behavior to try and get her to do things the way I think she do them in order to say to stay safe but I'm learning to just tell her how you feel about it and tell her the fears that you're experiencing in this moment versus trying to trick her into staying home right right I'm learning those things and I think oftentimes just to take it back to Annalise I think that oftentimes this type of behavior is can be the result of us being misunderstood a lot. Like, for example, I think of an example. Oh, let's just use Annalise. For example, what if she, what if this person that sexually abused her misunderstood, and we know that ain't what happened, but I'm just saying what if. Um, What if she feels like this person that sexually abused her misunderstood her no for yes? And could that yeah. lead her into this space where she feels like she's got to manipulate people to get them to understand exactly what she's saying? Does it make sense? You, you, it does. I'm, I, I'm glad you said being misunderstood because 
feeling misunderstood is also a lack of security. It's like, hey, I can't be myself because nobody gets me. And I'm glad that you clarified too. It's like, oh, maybe what if she thought, what if she thought that the right. person misunderstood what, mm-hmm. what she was saying or how she was behaving? That also means I can't be myself can't because be myself. someone's going to, yes. going to misconstrue this uh-huh. as permission to harm me. Uh-huh. So I've got to be someone else. Um, right. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that. Yeah, that's... Adorning yourself with the proverbial mask and cape didn't miraculously happen the moment you became an adult. More likely than not, there's a history of trauma dating back to childhood that left you feeling rejected, abandoned, betrayed, and angry. Those emotions don't automatically resolve themselves. As a little black girl, the thing you needed the most was to be seen, heard, nurtured, protected, and loved without condition. When those needs aren't met, you don't get the skills needed to do life as the real you from an emotionally healthy place. If you find yourself in this episode and are ready to start your journey to healing, please consider joining us in the Sister Circle of Healing, a 12-week virtual experience for Black women to gather in a safe and sacred space for healing, connection, and transformation. Join us now at shadesofstrong.com forward slash SOS circle. misunderstood oh maybe not anytime I, i'm trying to, to get away from using absolutes terms that can be seen as absolutes like never and always and all and but if you feel or have felt in the past often that you are misunderstood i know that i have i think it can point back to a lack of security it yeah. can point back to because it, it could be a symptom of hey this was an instance where i was trying to be authentically myself because I know that's what's best for me and I want to do that. And then when I did that, you know, whoever the recipient of that was, they didn't get it or they misunderstood or they didn't like it or it made them angry or, or whatever. It caused them to reject me. And so that just feeds into that lack of security. And when you have that happen, then it's your choice. And this is a hard choice to make in, in, in the moment. And I'm just speaking, you know, thinking of my own past experiences. It's a hard choice to make, but you have to decide, okay, so am I going to go back into performer mode or am I going to continue to just be myself and let the chips fall where they may? You are so right. You And, and in more cases than not, where do we end up? A lot of times back to performing, especially if it's like at your job or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got I to gotta, I gotta pay my bills. I got to hey, keep my job. Girl, stop it. Yes. Yes. I cannot tell y'all how many times I have bit my my tongue on a white man's job. Uh-uh. But um, uh-uh. God, I don't have to do that anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you. For and yeah, it's difficult out here in these mm-hmm. in these in these uh, self employed or freelancing or mm-hmm. or entrepreneurial streets. Yeah. Listen. Mm-hmm. It ain't easy. It's not again. Easy. Like if it's if it were easy, everyone would do it. Everyone it's not be easy. Doing it. But I do feel the relief always. Mm-hmm. I yeah. will use a, a, an absolute here. Always. Always. I, I always too. feel the relief of not having to shrink myself or perform 
for someone else's comfort, especially not for the comfort of whiteness. I don't have to do that anymore to just to get a paycheck. And I'm very, very happy about that. Me too. I rejoice in it every day. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you, Jesus. Woo. <laughs> Good looking out. Like, God really do be looking out. out. And again, <laughs> disclaimer, we ain't telling nobody to quit their job. Ain't nobody telling nobody to no, do no, that. No. We're no. just saying. We don't give advice over here. Like yeah, that. we no, don't no, do no. that. No. <laughs> We're Take not consultants. We're podcasters. <laughs> exactly. Take care of your responsibilities. but Exactly. Do, do what you got to do. Do what you have to do, but do your best to be who you are while yeah, you're taking care yeah. of your responsibilities because you don't right. have to shrink yourself to work on anybody's job. And if you That's end right. up in a space where they say, hey, we don't no longer, we no longer leave, need you because you decided that you were going to speak up for yourself and be who you are, then it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. You know, another door will open. You know, that's just how I feel about it. Because, and I can say that because I have, like Natty said, I have been in spaces where I have silenced myself. And then what happened was everything that I pressed down and all the things that I wanted to say, there came a moment when the volcano erupted and it was not pretty. (laughs) It was not pretty. And so now, even before I left my job, I had gotten into the habit of saying what I wanted to say, but I said it, but I made sure that I was coming, in most cases, not all the time, I made sure that I was coming from a place of love and resolve. So yeah, yeah, you know, so yeah, but that's in, you know, doing my work, but anywho, okay, now what else, girl? I, that was pretty much all I was going to say about that. The main ideas here were a lack of safety and a lack of security that can very often be the root cause of manipulative and performative behaviors. Absolutely. I agree with that because I think just for me as a little black girl, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can tell you that I long for love, safety, protection. Yeah. And I, and I, and I got those things from my mom, but I longed for them from my dad. Mm-hmm. And because I did not get it from who I wanted it from, I did not get the skills that I needed to do life from an emotionally healthy place. And so now, you know, as I began to peel back my own layer, I am learning that there were a lot of um, things lacking in my childhood that I needed. And so, yeah, you know, you got, you got, you have to heal the wounds. I think, you know, a lot of people, yeah. you know, you, you know, we just bury these things down and we don't want to deal with them. But I can tell you from personal experience that what's that thing Ayala used to say, feelings buried alive don't die. They don't. Oh, I've, I was like, you said, what's that thing that Yanma used to say? And I was like, not on my watch. Like, not on my watch. She that went to, <laughs> yes. But she used to say all the time, feelings buried alive don't die. And that is so true. But they will bury you. They'll bury you in guilt and shame and unforgiveness and depression and anxiety and fear and, and all the things. So you have to deal with these unhealed places in you. You know, you have to, there's no way around it. There's absolutely no way around it. And good thing too, because it's actually a very, very wonderful and liberating thing it, to it do so for is. yourself. It really is. 
Yeah, it it really is. It's, there's so much freedom in healing, and I know Natty and I keep keep saying that, but there really is. Like I can it's remember, the truth. it is. It, there is so much truth. Because let me tell y'all, I can remember looking at myself in the mirror and literally hating the girl looking back at me. Like I can, I could see the sadness in my eyes and the unhappiness and the heaviness. I could see it. And I knew that I didn't want to live my life like that. I didn't. Now, I ain't trying to say I looked in the mirror one day and bam. I was like, girl, you done with that? No. I did my work. And I'm still doing my work, period. So, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's about it. I think that's it for you, Nat. That's all you had. That's that, that's it for me. Yeah. Okay. That's that's all Nettie have. So yeah. And speaking of doing work, again, we want to invite you to join us in the Sister Circle of Healing. It's a twelve week virtual experience where Nettie and I are going to walk with you in starting your healing journey. The first your healing journey. The first six weeks we deal with you. We deal with um, we examine who you are as a black woman and we compare that to who the world has told you who you are. And then we do the work to help you get back to a place where you love you. So we deal with self-love, self-acceptance, self-forgiveness, you know, all the things. And then, like I said, in yesterday's episode, let me name all of them self-love. Cause I'm like, yeah, all the things self-love, self-acceptance, self-acceptance, self-forgiveness, self-care, self-expression, self-worth. That's self. That's the first six weeks. And the last six weeks, we deal with the collective. And the collective includes your relationships with your family, your work, sisterhood, and men. (laughs) (laughs) And men are just not, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband. You know, I mean, your father, too. You know, whomever. So we deal with the father. We deal with, I'm sorry, go ahead, Nanny. Oh no, I I was just thinking about like, yeah, we um we live in we live under patriarchy here. So yeah. It, yeah it's so like yeah, men, our relationships with men. With men in general. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and so in yeah. the last six weeks we deal with the fatherhood, the mother wound, the sisterhood wound, intrafamily violence. Mm, that's gonna be interesting. Oof. And we also yeah. deal with intrafamily injustice. That's gonna be interesting. And we deal with the work-life dynamics. So in those 12 weeks, we cover it all. Like, we got you covered. And then, you know, it's it's very detailed. It it really is. So, yeah. We'll love to have you join us in this circle of healing. The link to the uh, for that will be in the show notes of this episode, as well as the link to the um, Facebook, um, our Facebook community. So, yeah. We got y'all. We got you. We got y'all. So if you guys are looking for a safe and sacred place where you can start your healing journey, the Sister Circle of Healing is definitely the place to be. And like I said, you don't even have to leave the property of your own home. No, nope, you don't. Oh, yeah. You can stay in your pajamas. Stay in your pajamas. Keep you your hair cut. covered. Yes, you, don't have, you don't have to put your cute makeup. little bonnet. You don't got to do nothing. You don't have to do any of that because it is a safe and sacred space and we want you to be comfortable. And if being comfortable means you're going to, I want to stay in my pajamas, then you can stay in your pajamas. If you want to sit That's up right. in your bed, you can sit up in your bed. You can do all of that. And when I tell you it's an experience, y'all, it's, it's, it's an experience. You get to connect with other women 
who are going through some of the things that you are currently going through or some of the things that you have been through who get it, you know? So yeah, safe and sacred space, sacred and sacred space. Natty and I have put together a beautiful meditation to kind of help you reconnect to who you were before the world told you who you should be. That link will be in the show notes of this episode and we would love to have you guys join us. So Natty and I are going to get out of here because, um, yeah, we got things to do. All right, guys, we will see you back here tomorrow for day 19 and we will be continuing our conversation on Annalise. All right, we out. Thank mm-hmm. you.